What's up, everybody? This is Sebastian, your host. Uh, welcome once again to the Red Barn.、Um, new episode and our best episode yet. You know, I like to sit down and share with y'all research and content about agriculture and livestock to have a better understanding of our field.、Uh, you know, there are a lot of things said about the ag sector that can be misleading. So I like to bring some science founded information to the table to clear the air out. We've、uh, discussed what would happen if we stopped using animal products previously on this podcast.、Uh, more specifically, on episode three, we went over the consequences of such a drastic alternative and if it would really reduce the amount of greenhouse gases put into the atmosphere. But for that scenario, with,、um, the process of eliminating animal production was not really discussed.、Uh, it was simply a matter of imagination that animals would just vanish into the air. Well, it's not that simple, right?、Uh, think about the logistics involved in eliminating animal products. You know, let's say like dairy. You know, what would happen to dairy cows? We have 9.4 million dairy cows in the US. What do we do with them? And the land also, you know, what's going to happen to that land? Well, luckily, research can now give us an idea of how this would go down. A peer reviewed article on the Journal of Dairy Science by Lee and colleagues that evaluates different scenarios where we would stop dairy production in the US was just published by the end of 2020. So it's fresh out of the oven, folks.、Uh, I'll leave the link、uh, to this publication in the episode's description if you want to go check it out. The title of this publication is Contributions of Dairy Products to Environmental Impacts in Nutritional Supplies from United States Agriculture. Now, in the paper, the authors talk about nutritional and greenhouse gas impacts from eliminating dairy production. As we have discussed in our previous episode, This alternative wouldn't be sustainable nutritionally speaking, and it wouldn't significantly reduce the environmental impact of agriculture. But what's interesting about this publication is the different scenarios that are evaluated by which we would discontinue dairy production and the effect that they would have on the environment and human nutrition. There are many what ifs and what abouts that are covered in this paper, so let's jump right into it. So, There are three scenarios that are discussed in this paper. There are the population, where dairy cattle would be depopulated in response to consumers ceasing consumption of dairy products. The next one is keeping dairy production under current management techniques and exporting all dairy products, or the milk would go towards、uh, products that are not human edible. And the last one is retirement, where cows would Be retired to a pasture based management system. In addition to looking at the purpose of animals, the authors also evaluate different land use strategies to see how different management、um, to this land would impact the systems. There were four land use strategies evaluated here.、Uh, the first one is land use, number one, where land is now replaced with crops according to the Proportion of crops that are currently grown in the US. Land use two is using this land to grow only fruit and vegetables. Land use three is planting only nuts and legumes. And land use four is planting any other crops that is not grain, oilseed, and sugar. So let's talk about the impact of cattle removal strategies, okay? Of course, that keeping cattle、uh, under the current management techniques. Would show no difference in greenhouse gas emissions, 
but it would decrease the domestic supply of nutrients because we would only use non-edible products that come from animals such as leather, animal feed and manure, but everything from milk and other derived dairy products would be exported. Retiring our cows to pasture land would reduce greenhouse gases from agriculture by 12%, and this is because the existing pasture land in the U.S. would only be able to sustain 44% of the dairy cattle population, so it makes sense that the emissions would go down. However, just like the strategy where we would ship out all dairy products, we would export them, the domestic supply of nutrients would be reduced by 18%. These two removal strategies would entail keeping some or all of the cows in the U.S., but the depopulation strategy, which means cooling or um, slaughtering these cattle, would allow more freedom in terms of land relocation. But even then, several essential nutrients would be lacking within the domestic supply chain. So there is always a trade-off. It's never that simple. Also, the production of synthetic fertilizers uh, would have to scale up to replace the nutrients from animal manure. Ultimately, the max reduction in total U.S. greenhouse gases by any of these removal strategies would be very minimal. Now, let's talk about land use strategies, okay? The amount of land considered in this publication is 331 million acres, of which 7.6 million acres that were previously used for silage production to feed cows can be fully taken advantage of, but only under the population scenario. In strategies where land would be used to grow fruits and vegetables, the greenhouse gas uh, emissions would actually increase because these type of crops are more carbon intensive. The strategies where land would be used for other crops that aren't fruit, vegetables, or grain uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions but once again leave us with several nutrient deficiencies. Under any dairy removal scenario, the land allocation options further reduce the supply of vitamin D, choline, calcium, vitamin A, and alpha-linoleic acid, and other nutrients. It is also important to consider the nature of the land uh, that is being repurposed and its suitability to other crops, especially when it comes to climate types. Some crops such as fruits and vegetables are not adapted to climates where grains and dairy are produced. So what's the takeaway from this paper today? Well, the first takeaway is that it's not that simple, folks. I mean, the changes in U.S. greenhouse gas emissions would be, would be very minor, equivalent to 0.7% based on this publication. And as a matter of fact, emissions increase under scenarios where arable land is used to produce more carbon-intensive crops, such as fruits and vegetables. Even with the minimal greenhouse gas emission reductions, the trade-offs when it comes to nutrient supply are not sustainable in the long run. So that's all I got for today, y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't and share this podcast. Uh, quick note, I made a short survey for anyone who wants to leave some feedback. The link uh, is on the description of the podcast. And I really appreciate you for doing that, okay? Uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed today's content. I'll catch you guys on the next one and Godspeed. This was another episode of The Red Barn the podcast where we learn about agriculture. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. 
If you have any questions, you can send an email to the Red Barn Podcast 20 at gmail.com or call the Red Barn's hotline at 530-507-8542 and leave a message. If you like this episode or the podcast, share with your friends and family and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.